With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the A Celtic State of Mind Thursday build. I've just been well informed that it's JP and not JP. So apologies to all the listeners that were... So I had some gritted teeth when I was mispronouncing his name the entirety of last week's Thursday show. But I'll talk about last week's show, the Brendan Rodgers, there was no confirmation, nothing confirmed. So we're just speaking through the minds of, it's not confirmed, it probably is, but we still had the sort of how saga in the back of our minds. But we can speak with conviction now. Brendan Rodgers announced most of the question marks around an appointment, answered the three coaching staff, Kuehl, Strachan and Kennedy are all still there and we know how long the contract's going to be as well. We spoke on the importance of continuity over the last sort of few weeks when you're trying to appoint a new manager, whether that be a style of football or just keeping the coaching staff there and having some key players there. And we've still got the coaching staff there. What do you think of the appointment, JP? And what do you think of maintaining the coaching staff as well? Well, relieved that it's, that it's been announced and... Uh... Um, I, I think I read something yesterday that is there going to be a press conference today? Is it, is it Friday? Today? Friday at four pm. Is apparently that's what Twitter says, which you should probably never take Twitter as the complete well, truth. But I'm, I'm going to trust it for now. Yeah. Uh, so at least, well, I mean, the, the announcement earlier on uh, this week was was what we'd all been kind of hoping for, um, and. The continuity of keeping the coaching team, I think, is massive because I was thinking about this yesterday. One of the things that was labelled that David David Moyes when he took over at Man United was the fact that he didn't keep the same coaching team that had been there uh, and he brought in his own staff. And that's something that he's been criticised for and might have been a, a factor in his the, the sort of transition period between Alex Ferguson and, and David Moore. I mean, obviously, I'm not in any way comparing to Alex Ferguson, <laughs> but it's a similar kind of uh, idea in that if you've had a successful period of time at a club and there's coaching staff there that have got a relationship with the players already, why would you jettison them if, if they still wanted to be there and if they 
still had that good relationship with the players and obviously there was all the rumours that Ange Postecoglou was going to take them or take some of them to to uh, to Spurs and it's it's quite a strange twist of fate that it's Chris Davies that's that's now <laughs> with him at Spurs. You couldn't really write that. Uh, if you rewind back about a month or something and told us that this is what was going to happen and Enzo Maresca would be the Leicester City manager, you'd be like, wait a minute. It's, like, so it's just a complete rotation you wouldn't expect any of this like, to happen. Yeah, it's like someone's just flung all the cards up in the air and they've landed at different places. So <laughs> um, I, I, I'm, I'm really, really excited now, I have to say, about about the about this, the, the season coming ahead and um, just looking forward to seeing what changes are made, if any, and the recruitment, everything else like that. It's just... it's. It is actually genuinely exciting to see. We know what Brendan Rodgers did the first time round, and we know that he's a, a really, really top-level manager that's coming into a, a side that's just won the treble against a... Well, that's not... According to them, they're a good side, so, I mean, we've just won the treble against them. So, I mean, that, <laughs> they were in a, a Europa League final the season before, so I, I, I can't... I, I said last week I can't recall as ever going into a season with as much... Uh, in our favour Yeah, it was a team that was apparently better than the Lisbon Lions as well some would have yeah, mm-hmm. here which, mm-hmm. a bit crazy that but the, the thing that always excites me with a new manager coming in it's the early stages are always so key the, the pre-season friendlies last season, it was Andrew's second season you weren't really paying attention you weren't really overanalyzing it, but here you're going to see how far Brendan will veer away from Postacoglu's system you're going to see which players he trusts Will any youth players get an opportunity? We're going to come to that all a bit later in the show. But there was some news yesterday, staying on the coaching staff. Gavin Strachan recently turned down an offer from England with a chance to become the Shrewsbury Town manager. I think that might be the second club from England to get in touch with Gavin Strachan. And we know John Kennedy's had some interest in the past from Hearts as well. So it shows the loyalty he has to the club as well. It could also be seen as a positive that other clubs want our number two and our number three coaches to come in and become their full-time manager. How, how much coin do think there is in this Celtic coaching staff? Even the fact that a team like Spurs are trying to come and take them from us as well, it shows that we're going in the right direction. Well, he's certainly never going to shake off the, the laptop uh, <laughs> slagging. And I think he's even sort of made a, a mockery of that himself. Was it not in one of the, was it the Christmas, Christmas advert? Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think... I think uh, the, the continuity thing and the fact that, well, look, my, my issue has always been in the past, like when, when Neil Lennon took over and obviously we started, well, I started doing this in uh, December 2020 with Paul, <laughs> probably one of the worst possible times that uh, you could be coming on a live YouTube <laughs> podcast to talk about Celtic and, the, and their current guy and their then current guys. And the criticism I was trying to defend Neil Lennon and the fact that I didn't think that he got the choice to bring in his own people for for that for that uh, setup that he had at that particular time. Um, there's been sort of murmurings that that was the case. We don't know that for absolute fact. Maybe we'll never know. I don't know if there's confidentiality agreements being signed or anything like that. So I just don't know. But I, I got the feeling and the things that I've heard not in the know or anything like that, but just the things that I've read online and things like that is, would lead you to believe that 
that maybe he did want to bring in his own people and, and, and was denied that opportunity. Whereas this time with Brendan Rodgers, you kind of get the, the feeling that there's no way that the club are turning around and saying no to him on anything. Mm. <laughs> so he, if, if he wanted to bring other people in, I'm pretty sure that would have happened. I don't think uh, they would have forced this current coaching staff on him. So he's obviously got the relationship with John Kennedy. Probably, probably knows Gavin Strachan anyway. He's not. Yeah. It's not as a, the football community is small. He's obviously would have met him at some point. And even if he hasn't, I'm pretty sure he'll have asked John Kennedy his thoughts on Gavin Strachan, and he'll have given him a a, a good report. Hence why he's staying. Same with Harry Kew. Um But like you said, all these guys probably are managers at some level within their own rights. So they're in their own right. So to have them as uh, as as coaching staff is probably a a, a pretty decent uh, situation for Celtic because of the respect that they'll have amongst the players and the the the, the knowledge and uh, expertise that they'll impart onto the players that are there. So like I, I've never ever had a problem with with John Kennedy or Gavin Strachan per se with with regards to being employed it was just more a case of like are they being forced upon managers that come in but I think with this situation as as we know on, 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 on numerous other aspects with regards to the job be that um, recruitment and uh, all the rest of it there's no way that things are getting I mean people might be watching this being like oh you're so naive and you know <laughs> you don't it works and everything else but that's just my gut feeling as a as a, as a supporter I don't, I just don't think that there would be a situation created where we've not got, or that he's not got full autonomy on what what's going on. Yeah, the coaching staff have come on sort of leaps and bounds in recent years. When you look at how they were viewed by the fans during that ten in a row attempted season, the fans they wanted them gone as far away from Celtic Park as possible, never to be seen again. And now Celtic are fighting tooth and nail to keep them at the club. It shows that maybe we were a bit too harsh and we were lashing out. Uh, whatever there was out of anger. I've got double denim coming in here. I would have liked to see Scott Brown added to the coaching staff, I think. If he's going to come to Celtic, it would be as a manager. It'd be, it would. He's already done his time as a coach in Aberdeen. He learned as Stephen Glass's number two, and now he's moved into management himself. I don't see himself coming back and being sort of second fiddle. I think once he proves himself, he will come back and be Celtic manager one day. But I want to get on to what the tagline says. How much European progress can Brendan Rodgers make in three years? It's a three-year contract, the plan of European ambition going into it. I want to sort of say, how do you want this three years to go? Well, if it was to go step by step, year by year, we could do an ideal scenario and then sort of a realistic scenario here. So how, first of all, how will the contract go? What do you think Celtic will be looking to do if it's a European plan ambitions step by step? Do you think it's third place in the first season? perhaps second place in Champions League in the second season. <laughs> and then what what is the aims in that third season then? If that's the plan. <laughs> well, this is definitely something you need to be careful about talking about because you could definitely be accused of uh, getting ahead <laughs> of yourself with this, given, given, given how... I don't want to say how poor we've been because when you've actually been at the games and you've, and you've, and you've lived through it, whether that's being at the home games, 
being at some of the away games, not being at all of them, of course, I'm not a millionaire, um, and, and or watching them on the TV. Either way, I've seen every minute of those European games in the last, you know, few seasons, or not the last few seasons, the last <laughs> 25 years. Um, but I think uh, it's, it's, it's easy for people who are just looking at the results or haven't watched the games to be like, oh, Celtic are terrible in Europe and um, it's been embarrassing and this, that and the next thing. And I suppose I can't really blame people for doing that. However, when you've actually seen the minutiae of each game, you know that it's fine margins. And, and by the way, we spoke about uh, Mudrick last week uh, being the, the standout for Shakhtar and that Shakhtar side. Uh, and Kunku has just signed for Chelsea for some like 52 million. So, yeah, season too not, late. Yeah, did he not score against us as well? I'm pretty sure uh, he did. Yeah, he scored. I think he might have got a double uh, yeah. away to Leipzig. He's a terrible yeah. player, though. You're, 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 that's that's, that's a, a very, very clear indication of the level of player that you're going up against uh, in, in, these, in, these, in these Champions League. Champions League group stages, one or two players in their team can make a difference to them. Just like had we had our players on form and maybe a fully fit team, because you can go into these games with any sort of handicap and losing Carter Vickers for those games was, was Cameron, huge. Cal McGregor, I wait a lot as well. Yeah, so if we'd have had one of our players on song we might have been the team that did the damage in those games, but it wasn't to be. But with regards to us going forward, I just uh, I would be very hesitant to think about maybe in second place in a Champions League group stage because that that's right now to us that's a that's Mount Everest. And you think uh, that's step three of if if this is a three-year plan, do you think that's step three? Well, it's step three if if we go if we finish second and go into the next round. And uh, I mean, I, I have to admit, I have no idea really how this new Champions League thing is going to work when it, when it gets expanded. Is it in two seasons' time? Does I have happen? absolutely no idea. My main question is, did the Champions League need a revamp in the first place? Was anybody dying to get a big change in format of the Champions League? I mean, probably not, but the way that... The way that it's going and the way that it's kind of geared is that like the teams teams are finishing third, fourth in the league and then and then getting into the Champions League. So it's not really the Champions League anymore. It's it's not been for years. Um yeah, it's been for years now. I, I don't know how they can like pull back on that and get back to it being there's there's no way that's ever gonna happen. I just I just can't see that happening. So um I think if if we finish second and then we're able to go into the next round with a realistic prospect of potentially, you know, doing something against whoever we get, you don't want to just get there by a by a fluke or whatever and then draw a team and inevitably lose. You want to be you want to have the team strong enough and the squad strong enough to be able to to cope with what goes what lies beyond a group stage because. What lies beyond the group stage is ultimately a really top team because you're going to be playing a team that's won a group. <laughs> We're not going to be playing uh, a minnow or anything like that. And yeah, sometimes you get the occasional outlier where a, a, a smaller club in Europe has won their Champions League group, but it's very rare. Like the the standout team in that in those groups will usually 
absolutely romp the group and win probably with a game to spare or something like that. So um, that would that would be the only thing as if as if uh, there's no point in us getting through as if if we're just going to immediately capitulate against the next side we come up against, which is why the first step probably is is to get into the Europa League and and win that knockout tie just to shut folk up about that because we get abuse about that from all corners. Even just getting over our own sort of self doubt as well. You see, whenever yeah. Celtic can see a goal in a European game, it's never just one. They always come in sort of a bucket load of goals. It's always two or three. And oh. I think that's to do with the mindset. So once Celtic go over that hurdle, I think we, we could have a bit higher expectations of the team. But I think I mentioned on, I think it was the Tuesday show, how big of a factor is luck in that. Because when you look at the groups Celtic have had in sort of the last decade, you've had groups, you've had Barcelona and Man City in the same group. You've had PSG and Bayern Munich in the same group. I think it was the 2013 season we had, I think it was Barcelona, AC Milan and Ajax in the same group. We've not exactly had plain sailing. There's not really been a sort of easier group, if you want to say that, to allow us to potentially get over those sort of that European mindset, European hurdles that we've had before. How big a factor do you think luck is? When you go into these group stages, are you looking for the glamour ties? Or are you looking for the easiest route you possibly can to sort of get the most success because you can't forget the finances that come with a win in the Champions League as well I don't want to just you don't want to be there just to take part you want to be actually winning games with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so I suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think I think if I'm being selfish to answer that question, I've had my fill of glamour ties. I've seen us play. It's almost like, I don't know, it's almost like going to a different country. When you've been to a different country, you kind of go, right, okay, I've been there. Chances are. I, I, I might go back there at some point, but it's not going to be, you know, high on my list because I want to go to somewhere else. So I've, I've seen us play Barcelona. I've been to the New Camp. I've been to the Part de France. I've been to the Bernabeu. So now I, I've kind of, all those teams we've played, I, I really now just want to uh, potentially get a favourable draw. I mean, it would be nice to, to think that we could look at a group I mean, people will argue last season that we, we there, are, there are really, really hardline people that look at that group and go, ah, oh, we should we should have got out of that group or, you know, we should have at least got third in Shakhtar, we should have beat Shakhtar. Yeah, we should have beat Shakhtar, but the team were... Both times, na- both times. Yeah, they were naive at that level and maybe Postacoglu was naive as well at that level and that's not having a go at him. It's just the fact that it was a new a new competition for him. Um, he's not suddenly the best manager in Europe just because he's <laughs> won trebles or doubles or whatever. You know, it's, it's a huge, huge leap. Into, yeah, Brendan Rodgers won two trebles and he still yeah. couldn't get us over those sort of European yeah, halls. It was, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the fine margins though because it's always the little things Celtic get wrong, whether it's a big chance hits the post or 
what looks like a tap in goes wide. It's an amazing save. And then it's a fine margin at the other end that the defence, a misplaced pass, nine times out of ten, Celtic are going to get punished. And we don't punish the opposition's mistakes. And it goes back a long way. Baldi's handball against Leon that cost us qualification from the group stage that that we would have qualified. Um, and that was just daft. And ugh, like Magnus Hedman letting one in against Bayern Munich, we were 1 0 up. There's, there's, there's a load, a load of uh, examples that you can cast up. And unfortunately, a lot of the recent ones have resulted in absolute tankings where we've, we've really sort of surrendered everything and, and just <laughs> just been absolutely battered from pillar to post. And that can happen, and it's happened to other teams. It's happened to uh, better teams than Celtic. Um, it's just it's just a level of how you go about approaching these games and how you go about dealing with go- going a goal down and not collapsing and not conceding another one straight away as we like to do. Um, but yeah, I think I think the the plan in terms of three years, and as some people. Some friends of mine had chat with them, and they've been like, "Oh, you know, you'll just you'll just go when there's another job comes available." Or, or he never. Brendan Rodgers, obviously, his tenure at Leicester ended, I guess, badly because he left, and then a couple of months later they were relegated. But I listened to uh, the Huddle Breakdown podcast. They had a a Leicester City um, expert or an analyst whatever you want to call him, and he kind of described the in detail what went on at Leicester. It's a really good listen if, if anybody's got a spare hour. Um, and just describing this, the, the, the financial problems, the way that uh, COVID hit Leicester, because the, the, the money that Leicester have is from uh, duty-free. So, like, those, the, in COVID, the duty-free industry was, was <laughs> and, the, and the money started to run out, and and that obviously that that can happen, and it, it led to uh, it led to them not being able to spend the level of money that Brendan Rodgers probably wanted to spend. And I guess him, he a would familiar be, story, isn't it? But he would be cognizant of he would be cognizant of the of the situation. So it's not as if he was going to be you know toys out the pram and stamping his feet. It just I suppose it kind of made him look bad as a manager that. He wasn't able to cope with that, but I, I go back. Some people have said, and I think um, I don't know if you said it with, with Kev on Monday, or Paul's definitely said it to somebody and said, "Do you think Brendan Rodgers would have won ten in a row?" And everyone's going, hundred percent. He definitely would have." And I'm sorry, but I'd, I'm not entirely sure. Had all the things happened that happened to Neil Wennon happened to Brendan Rodgers, I don't know if he would have. I, I, I genuinely don't know if he would have been. Some people will dispute that, but I just think that that season was was almost cursed. It was just <laughs> everything that could go wrong did go wrong. There was no fans in the stadium. Everyone was in a really weird place at home and Rangers got an advantage very, very early on in that, in that season. And the idea, if you did, before COVID came about, if you'd said... Or Rangers are going to go about what? What did they go about? Nine, ten points clear because of all the games that we couldn't play. Remember what the games were were postponed because of uh, ball and golly, and we had the, oh. we had like two two weekends where we didn't play 
and Rangers just kept winning. There's a couple of games in hand that didn't help that we were dropping points as well. I think away to Kilmarnock, there was some yeah. drop points. Obviously, losing the first time of the season didn't really mm-hmm. help either. It's an interesting point you raised about um, Brendan Rodgers' final season at Leicester because they didn't get the money he wanted to, which I said it was a familiar story because there's a striking resemblance to that at Celtic. It wasn't getting the players they wanted. So what did they mm. do? He jumped ship. So it's an interesting point of, of Rodgers in the face of adversity, but we'll need to wait and see how he does with that then. We've got JJ Celtic weighing in here. Third and do well in Europe. I'm sure a lot of fans would definitely take that. Danny Boy, the draw was kind to us last year. We just couldn't do the necessary. It's the fine margins, as we were mentioning, double denim. Definitely games we should have won last season in the Champions League. I would just 100% agree with all of that, but we'll stay on the transfer talk there. We've got a 30 million kitty to play with, which means the rumours are flying in. We've already had this sort of crazy rumour, which was Wilfred and Didi, which I'm sure even the Celtic fans would have shot that one down. There's no chance that one was going to happen, but there's now a midfielder who looks to be very much on the verge of joining the club. Odin, Thiago Holm, seems to be on his way from Valorenga to side just outside the relegation zone in the Norwegian Elite Serie N. He recently plays 90th in the Golden Boy Award. You're thinking 90th, surely that's not amazing, but it's the best under 21 players in Europe. And when you consider that footballers are only getting younger and younger, I think that's really good from young Odin. Seems a real prospect. If he's successful, he could have a real sell-on value for Celtic. Do you think that's got to be Celtic's direction in the transfer window? Are you more of a buy players looking at the upside in the future? Or do you look at the short-term, say, a more experienced, higher-quality player for some instant, guaranteed success? Well, immediately... I have a bit of a red flag about these these lists that get compiled about top top players in Europe because I'm pretty sure if you were to go back maybe I don't know five or six years and look at that same list and then try and pick out how many of the players have actually gone on to um, I'm sure they're all still yeah. playing football but that like what level they're playing at is is to be uh, uh, you know to be questioned. So this guy uh, coming in. It will be a hit or a miss. It'll either be a Martin Odegaard or it'll be a Sonny Pike, and that's a very, very old school um, uh, reference. I have no idea that. who that is. Google <laughs> well, Sonny Pike, but I'll tell you the little I know about him. He was a wee guy. I think he was English, and he signed for Ajax, and he was just a kid. He was frigging bells, man. It's frigging bells. I've heard that story. Ten or eleven, and he was on like there used to be a. God, it's a really old school reference. There used to be a, a, a Channel 4 programme called The Big Breakfast and he was on as a guest with his dad on The Big Breakfast and they had him doing keepy-uppies in the back garden of The Big Breakfast house. It was like Chris Evans. And, uh, so he's a bit and, like a Freddy Adu sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and, and it never, it just never, I always kept an eye out and like hoped to see this uh, fabled Sonny Pike playing for Ajax and maybe going on to bigger things, but just never happened, and I, I just, I, I think those players that have that kind of hype about them, they all, they, they, even they themselves would probably get a bit wary of, of of people talking about what they're going to do and how they're good they're going to be. I, I, I think it's very, it's a lot of pressure to put on a player um, at that age, um, and especially somebody coming from a sort of smallish club where he's probably the big fish in that pond. And then suddenly, just just say this transfer happens, and he's at Celtic. He's going to be surrounded just by. Name. Just another name. Just Yeah, it's not a name, and he's going to be surrounded by people that are 
way way advanced in terms of uh, the, the, the football that they play. I mean, especially in our midfield, that's his first you know, Mark Riley is probably around twenty two. You've got Hatati yeah. twenty five, McGregor twenty nine. It's there's mm-hmm. a lot of it. He'll be one of the youngest players in amongst that squad. But you can look at Leo Abada. He got thrown in with the pressure on him. A yeah. sink or swim situation. He was one. I think he might have been Andrew's first signing that really made an impact. But if he's he, going to be start, I don't think he's going to be a starter though when he comes in. No, but Abada, Abada didn't come with this fanfare of being like, and I thought in like a list or in like that. Yeah, most most people thought it was going to be a, a a dud. I'm not a dud, but I don't think anybody really could have envisaged him with the goal return that he's had in the last two seasons. I don't. I think most people were like, oh, Dudu Dahan, oh, uh, coming from the Israeli league, like quite a bit of a fee that we're paying for him. Everyone has so much scepticism over Celtic signings. And because that was an early one, you're, you've not got anything to base it against. So you're not going, all right, well, Kyogo's done well, Matt O'Reilly's done well, Dyson Maeda's done well. So we, we know we're on the right path. I personally, when Abada came in, just thought, oh, here we go. This guy's not going to do anything. It'll be, uh, it'll be a favour for the agent and one of those. And he's completely, really like he has pushed himself into a, a top bracket of, of young players in Europe. Surely with his goal return, but the only the only downside is he's not done it at European level. But maybe that's something that if he stays, Brendan Rodgers could get out of him. I don't remember a bad. I really having a proper chance. No, for us in the true. Champions League, I think it was Jota and because we all know Dyes Maida the amount of chances he missed. So mm. Dyes Maida was definitely a starter in that Champions League team at a lot of points. Barry McCormick coming here, previous Golden Ball winners, Pedri, Gavi, Haaland, Delict. But then you've also got on the other side, you have Mario Balotelli and Renato Sanchez are some previous winners whose careers haven't perhaps gone the way that people might have thought at the start. But the, the rumours, back to home, the rumours were going around on this deal before Rodgers was announced. And then the reports sort of calmed down for a bit. I was thinking maybe the talks had stalled. But do you think during that time the club would have been working on it in the background and then just waiting for Brendan's approval? Because I sure a lot of people were getting worries that are harking back to Marion Fred about whether Rogers is getting a say over the chances. But I think he, he wouldn't have signed him if Rogers didn't have the green light of this signing. No, I, I think we're like we said last week when we were speculating um i think we're in a different <laughs> we're in a different environment now to to the one we were in uh in the last year or six months of brendan rogers previous tenure i i, I don't i don't think there's any anything that could surely be going on that they would why would they want to cause any upset with someone who they've really really pushed the boat out to get um I just think that would be insanity. So, um, with regards to the transfers, I mean, the things that you're hearing from from here, there, and everywhere is that the, the, the this thing, this Brendan Rodgers thing, has been in the in the post for quite a while. Like this hasn't just happened. It Perhaps even back to the semi final, where he was at the hand in semi final against Rangers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obviously you know that's guesswork. And everything's guesswork because nobody knows. Nobody knows for sure. I've not read anything. No one's told me anything for certain that that's the case. But I just think it didn't. 
the, the, the manager process or the manager hunt didn't just start the moment that Postacoglu uh, left the door uh, or left the building, should I say. That this has been this has definitely been in the pipeline for a while. So if there has been transfer dealings going on, I'm sure Brendan Rodgers has been uh, kept kept uh, uh, abreast of them. But there was other rumours as well that Ange Postacoglu started playing uh, after we won the league, started playing the the squad team or the squad members so that Brendan Rodgers could get a look at them. I think that is a bit of a wild, a wild uh, take. But, um, I think it's, I looked at it as just Ange wanting to give the players minutes because a lot of them have hardly featured yeah. because of the pressure that's on these players to win every single game, every single week. Mm. So when that pressure is relieved, you could think, right, this guy Bernabe, he's not really played much. You can throw him in with as little pressure on his shoulders as possible. And then mm. you'll see how they do. Because you've got to remember that Cameron Carter-Vickers had picked up that injury as well. So it was also him testing the experiment in the waters to see who can I throw in to this cup final against Inverness to partner Carl Starfield. And he eventually found his answer with Tomoki Iwata. But when mm. I saw the home rumours coming up, I was a bit surprised that we were going to get another midfielder. Because I thought our midfield were midfield's already pretty stacked. But we've seen some social media rumours start to gather steam. There was some reports from Australia coming out regarding Aaron Moy, media outlet, football, acronym FTBL. I'm not a fan of that. But they say a well-placed source has told them Aaron Moy has been thinking about things over his future. Do you think retirement will be Aaron Moy's future very soon? He's 32. I think he's still got a part to play at Celtic. I mentioned before these rumours even really started. I think Aaron Moy with a full pre-season to get to full fitness for the start of the season would could be a very interesting prospect. I think he's still got a part to play at Celtic, but it is all up to the player at the end of the day. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, you know, you're a long time retired, aren't you? And most players will always say, play as long as you can. Because once you hang up the boots, there's no going back. And... I don't know. Obviously, the 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 dream, not the dream scenario, but a good scenario for a player is to bow out on a high. But like you say, when he's only thirty two, um, I suppose it just depends how how his body is. Because did you not read as well that um, the Australian coach sort of said, you know, I think it was just before he signed for Celtic, and he was like, "What's what's happening?" Um, and then he said, and then he said, "I need you for internationals." and and Aaron Moy was like, oh, "Do you really? Do you really need me?" As if, like, I, I don't know if I'm fit to play or or even want. Yeah, to he play. missed Australia's most recent fixture against the, the world champions oh. Argentina and a friendly. I think he might have been called up to the squad as well. So I think it might have yeah. been Moy voluntarily missing out on that fixture. But is it is the injury that he's carrying right now not some sort of back injury? Like, yeah, back injury. So like. I guess obviously we don't know, but if, if a doctor's telling him, you probably should, you know, give your body a rest because this might do long-term damage. You know, he doesn't want to 
play on for another season and put his body through that if it's going to cause him potentially long-term injury. You know, you don't want to be, for the sake of what one season, you don't want to end up uh, with, with problem, problems in later life. So, I don't know, it's obviously a decision for him to make. I, I would certainly, I, I saw enough of him at his, at his top form to, to see that he can still contribute if he was able to stay fit to Celtic because um, he was absolutely outstanding in, in that period after the World Cup and a huge, huge factor in us winning the league, um, no doubt about it. Um, and it, it was really, really great to see him turn a lot of the, the criticism on, his head, on its head because there's nothing better than seeing a player do that, you know, a player that's been written off and deemed uh, sort of not good enough to play for Celtic, and he, he clearly was like international. Yeah, he'd football. been thrown. He'd been thrown into the sort of James McCarthy box of, so kind of a laughing stock by some of the support. But it's good that he proved them wrong. I think it was the consistent minutes against high quality opposition at the World Cup that really mm-hmm. sort of upped his game because he was playing well at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I think I know they got blown away by France in the end, Australia on that group game. But I remember for the first maybe. 50 minutes more, he was one of the best players in the park. He was mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal. And I think if he's going to be looking at his career, he's 32. If he's got these back problems, he'll be looking at his career thinking, I've just won a treble, I've played in the Champions League, played in the Premier League, I've taken my country to three World Cups, I think. Maybe the time might be now to hang up his career, but he's still definitely got a part to play. There's some other transfer news I want to get on to. It's just broke sort of this morning. Looks like we're sticking in the Asian market. Gang One FC winner Yang Hyun Jun. I think I've got that right. The comments can correct me if I'm wrong here. They're near the relegation zone, much Nobody's like Valerenga. Nobody's going <laughs> to James. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, gang One, they're near the relegation zone in the the K League. I think it's seem unwilling to part with them at this stage because this the season in Korea. It's like the season in the J League. It doesn't finish until around November, December time. So then, about a tricky position. They don't want to lose one of the best players, which is understandable. He's in the South Korea national squad, but he is uncapped, 21 years old, and he's already played 67 times, which I always think is a positive sign when you're looking at a young player. Mm-hmm. If they're around that 21 age and they've got lots of minutes under their belt, it would mean perhaps a more mature, level-headed mind on their shoulders, which is always a positive. And our positive is you see a team like Brentford interested, a team that's got a good scouting and transfer recruitment policy. If they're interested in our player, the chances are it's probably a hidden gem. But there's also the side that we are staying in this Asian market that's proven us so much success over the last two seasons. Is Would this be a thing you would be interested in and Celtic staying in the Asian market? Is that something that you're happy to see? Well, yeah, we spoke about that last week and we were speculating as to whether it was somewhere that we would still uh, look for players after the departure of Ange Postacoglu. And Ange Postacoglu, as far as I know, didn't have any personal uh, experience of South Korea. So, I mean, we've obviously just been opened up to, um, we've obviously just been opened up to um, that market as a result of maybe agents that we've been dealing with in, uh, in that neck of the woods. And they've said, oh, well, we deal with players in this uh, uh, league as well, and that's what's opened us up to that. And if so, great, because, I mean, it, it, it's in, like I said last week, it would be silly to to shut the door on these on these um, these markets because 
there's clearly players there that are good enough to play for us and base level in domestic football and then obviously you want to develop them to be able to play at a higher level and I don't think there's any doubt that most of the Japanese players and always still to prove himself in Europe because he's not had the opportunity yet but um, those Japanese players I think with another crack at it could do the business in, in the Champions League I mean that if Maeda stays, I, I cannot see a, a, a world where he doesn't have a good game for us in the Champions League. And, and exactly the same with Kyogo. Kyogo's scored enough goals for Celtic now to let you know that... It's, it's, I think that you, if you look at it in this way, it's like in, in domestic games, Kyogo will get, what, five, six chances and score one of them or maybe even less chances score like we'll have two or three chances to score one of them and that's it for the game whereas he's, he's only had how many bites of the cherry has he had at champions league level i think yakimakis played a lot of the games i think yakimakis started real madrid at home he started Shakhtar at home yeah i think i think he started i think kyogo might have started leipzig at home that's just me so i think kyogo so started leipzig away as well so his sample size for that for for that competition is really 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 small. So you'd like to think that if Kyogo was to get say five out of the six games in the Champions League this season, he's going to score in one of those games. <laughs> he's he's good enough to score. There's no way he's not go, he's going through that campaign. If he's starting and he's getting chances, he'll score one of them, and that means that he becomes a Champions League goal scorer, which Giacomacchus became when he scored against Shakhtar and no one can take that away from him. It may have only been one goal, but he scored at that level. Um, and when once 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 you break your duck at that level, I'm pretty sure Giacomacchus would have fancied himself uh, to score again if he was still here this season, if he was going to be in the in the mix to play in the Champions League, I'd be like, well, I've, I've done it once. I can do it again. I've, I've not got that little seed of doubt in my mind. I can just, I can go for it. So, um, yeah, th th these markets are absolutely to be to be explored. And if Brentford are in from, <laughs> the last time Brentford beat us to a player was Ivan Tony. So, <laughs> uh, obviously, he's had his issues, <laughs> uh, to say the least. But, you know what Ivan Tony can do in, in, in that league. So, uh, yeah, if that's if that is the level of player we're going for, then that, that that's it's good good with me. The thing is, we're still looking at markets like this. Another thing I like about it is the fact that these are nations that are on the rise. You've seen Japan, and South Korea, the previous World Cup, making progress and getting further than they'd have, and sort of World Cups gone by. So, if these mm -hmm. nations have got players improving. And the national team is going further. If we can get some of those younger players that are going to be some of the figureheads in that improving national team going forward, surely that can always speak good news for Celtic. But this is going to be a shameless segue here. Speaking of national teams on the rise, Callum McGregor scored for Scotland against Georgia on Tuesday night. He was asked fondly came about Rogers' appointment. He says he really enjoyed working under him last time and he also emphasised the importance of continuity as well. With home coming in, he looks like a bit more of a six. Do you think Cal McGregor going a bit further forward could be a prospect under Rodgers? Because that's where Rodgers liked him. That's where Rodgers improved and developed Cal McGregor's game in Rodgers' first stint at the club. Do you think there could be something similar? And possibly, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if Cal McGregor would necessarily want to play somewhere different, or if or if he's happy playing where he is. Um, 
I guess, I mean, we're talking about my retiring. I, I've got a feeling we're going to lose a, a midfielder. I don't know who it will be. I don't. I don't want it to happen. If we manage to get to the end of this transfer window um, with all the midfielders that we have, i.e. O'Reilly, Hatati, uh, Maeda, if you could class him as a midfielder, Jota, um, if we if we manage to get to September the 1st or whenever it shuts um, with all those players, I'll be very happy. But I just have a feeling that of all of all the areas of the, of the team that we might lose a player, it'll be it'll be the midfield. So I, I, we'll see how how the, the midfield shapes up come the first league game of the season. Um, I strongly suspect Callum McGregor will be in his favoured position uh, as the captain. I think that is I think that is his best place to play. I, I, as much as he can offer going forward, I just I love the way that he. Stays on top of the defence, receives the ball, and just gets the ball from defence, and immediately looks round, and he's always just got that. The pitch is just mapped out for him, and he knows where to where to uh, go forward. And he you know, obviously he'll drive forward with the ball at times as well. But I think I think that I, that me personally, I love seeing him in that position. So I don't know, I don't know if anybody coming in is necessarily good enough. Certainly not a young player like uh, uh, the Norwegian to displace Callum McGregor in that role because he's so. I think it's such a hugely important part of the way that that we play. And I know that's a new manager and all the rest of it, but it's, Brendan Rodgers has worked with Callum McGregor before, um, and I just don't know if he would. I mean, I might be wrong. I, I might be wrong. I mean, he might he might mix it up and change it up. But I just think uh, Callum McGregor's like. Never really below an eight out of ten in that position. Never. So, why would you? Why would you want to potentially uh, disrupt a performer who is performing at that level? Um, I just think it would be maybe a bit folly to do that. Yeah, I agree with you. Alan Robertson does as well. Carmack Barrett's a six in his pivot role. I think he's better playing in front of the defence. Yeah, definitely, he's he's so important in providing sort of security for our centre-backs as well. Especially those European games when there's so much pressure on the Celtic defence. There might be sort of more room for panic or more room for error. He's just mm-hmm. such a calm player in front of that defence. He's always available for a pass. No matter yeah, who's pressing him, no matter who surrounds him, he's always there. I think it's good for Starfelt as well because he's a right-footed centre-back, playing on the left-hand side, not his natural position. So having Cal McGregor there, always there's the option for him. It's absolutely massive for him. Uh, we've got I, people weighing in in the comments here. I wanted to touch on this sort of the last few shows, but I've not really had the chance. It's going to be a little bit of a quick-fire segment to sort of burn through here. I've got lots of players out on loan, a loan army, if you want to call it that, much like Chelsea had a few years ago. But it's not really young players with prospective future. It seems to be fringe players who have sort of been written off but didn't have suitors to really sell them to on a permanent deal. So I've got a rapid-fire run through a few of them here. I want you to give me a future or a no future and maybe a reason why. First of all, I'd to go for Liam Scales at Aberdeen. Uh, I'm going to say no future at Celtic, but I, th- I certainly think that he's good enough to play in this league. And I, if Aberdeen want to keep him, I would be quite happy for him to, to get a move there because um, I like... 
I don't dislike Aberdeen as a football club. Um, I think it's a good place to play. And if if he is uh, a good player for them, then it's always uh, good for a, a a a win or a draw against against them. Like if you've got a good Aberdeen side, if that makes Aberdeen better as a side, then that that's a that's a, a positive because let's face it, we need we need the, these other sides in Scotland to to be strong. Uh, Otherwise, you just end up with, oh, well, that's an easy three points. Uh, for both Celtic and Rangers, it's just like, oh, well, we're obviously going to win. I mean, you want to, uh, yeah, you want you want to go to Pataudry know know, knowing that you're going to get a game. And, I mean, by and large, we normally do get a game up there. There's this idea that, that they roll over against us and they don't roll over against Rangers. It's like, no, Aberdeen definitely want to beat Celtic when they play Celtic there's no doubt about that um, so yeah I think Scales yes no future at Celtic I just don't think he's I don't think he's good enough to get in that side who's he going to displace <laughs> yeah. he's, he had a tough period at Aberdeen when Goodwin was the manager but every player mm-hmm. was struggling at that point as soon as yeah. Barry Robson comes in a manager he's got the team playing he's got Liam Scales playing as well I don't think his future is at Celtic I think that Bodo Glimped away game has sort of scarred me from wanting to see Liam Scales in a Celtic shirt ever again. But at a sort of higher level in Scottish football, I think he could definitely do a job. I want a player who seemed like had a future at Celtic at one point. He's on loan at Aruka last season. It's says Milo Soro. What do you think of that? He was nailed on for a for a yellow card. That was perhaps one of the only positives you would get from Milo Soro. Yeah, I mean. Came into the Celtic team in that uh, COVID season, and I guess he did okay uh, alongside Turnbull when they were the only other options. And it was just a case of like, oh well, n- none of this midfield is working, so let's jettison everybody apart from Carl McGregor and bring in Sorrow and Turnbull. And I think purely because it was somebody, he was one of the players that was doing something different, and and didn't seem to be maybe one of the ones that wanted away. He was given a bit of a free pass by the support. And I, I was at the time, I wasn't thinking this guy's the future or anything like that. I thought he was doing a decent enough job, but ultimately knew that, that he was way below the standard of, of where that we should be having in a, in a Celtic midfield. When you think about Celtic midfields of years gone by, you know, Sorrow's not getting anywhere near... <laughs> The majority of Celtic midfields um, that have gone by. So again, you look at that side. Where the hell is Sorrow going to play? You know, he'd be lucky to get a seat in the stand. Um, Do you remember he was linked with Spurs at one point? Sure. Do you remember that? That was a real. About halfway (laughs) during the ten the row season, there was linked six million pounds as Milo Sorrow to Spurs. Mm -hmm. Should have should have bit their hand off in hindsight. Uh, I want to move on to another player who you could maybe say is a bit of a bomb scare. I think we've not really seen enough of him. In fact, the best at home game, I thought this guy was one of the better players, if not the best on the park. Osaze Urugidi, 22 years old, has been on loan at Oostend. I think it's the second spell there. I think he had in Ange's first season from January to around about May, he had a spell there as well. But he got Oostend relegated, unfortunately for him. Do you think there's a future for him at Celtic, or do you think? Perhaps he's a bit sticking to his YouTube channel or something. Uh, I'm not privy to what he uh, spouts on his YouTube channel, but 
Um, I, I Uruguay Day was one of those ones. Remember, he played in in one of those preseason friendlies, and Ange Postecoglou was early time, and I think it was, it was, one it was of, a West Ham, West Ham at home, no, beat six two. No, it, was, it was one of the ones before like the Celtic Park friendlies. We we played in like uh, like a sort of amateur pitch down south. It was maybe against like Sheffield. Sheffield, yeah, we had because I remember Karamoko Dembele took an absolute horror. I think it was Barnsley we played. Ah, that's, is that when you got the bad tackle? Yeah, yeah. So it was that game, and people were like making their minds up about Uruguay uh, after that game, and you're like, I mean, that's a bit harsh. Uh, and then I uh, Bristol City. Ah, it was Bristol City. Uh, and oh, then keep and, me correct. <laughs> and but then. I think to to judge someone based on that was really harsh. I mean, he, he's a, a big boy, like solid. Um, I just don't. I've not seen enough of him uh, to play playing it. I wouldn't necessarily say no future, but I, I don't know how much he's developed while he's been away. Has has he become a more rounded player from having playing week in week out? If indeed they did play week in week out for a stand. Um, I think it's one of those ones where one if he's twenty two and that is the level he was playing at, can you really come back to Celtic and uh, and get a game? I mean he's what is he predominantly a left a left a right back? Is a right back, right? Right back, centre back, he sort of switches between the two. I think yeah. there was a stumbling he was supposed to move to Ostend last summer. The only mm. thing that sort of stood in the way was the fee. They couldn't properly agree a fee from they couldn't afford it. And we only mm. wanted a couple hundred grand from as well. So the fact that I'm just trying to ship him off already after a season, like it might tell you all you need to know about what Yurigiri's future was looking like. Will Roger see something? I don't know. But we'll need to wait and see. Another player, a bit of a younger player, we've only really seen him in those pre-season friendlies, as you've mentioned, Johnny Kenny. He's impressed in the B team, scored a lot of goals. But then step up to the championship with Queen's Park, like he played about 12 or 13 games, zero goals. He's been oh, on really? to Shamrock Rovers from January mm. to May. I was impressed with him in the sort of pre-season games but, and for the B team as well. But the step up from the Lowland League to the Scottish Championship, if that's too far, then that might raise some question marks about the B team being in the Lowland League in the first place. But just on Johnny Kenny, have you seen much in? you think there could be any sort of future? Is there more time? He's only 20 then again. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I don't really see... A- a path for him. Uh, you've heard of these players before that, that come with, they've done really, really well when they're in their home week or whatever, and then they come to Celtic and it's it's the big dream move. But it's such a big, it's such a big ask of a player to come and be able to do the business at Celtic. It, it really is. It's it, it doesn't happen that often. That put it this way, it would be one hell of a story if Johnny Kenny. Somehow managed to become a Celtic player, as in a regular first team starter who who ended up getting twenty five goals a season. I mean that would be one of the modern day football and you know myths. Obviously, like, in, in, in fifty to hundred years time, people would be talking about uh, uh, Johnny Kenny. That I saw Johnny Kenny play for Celtic. You know, he remember him scoring an overhead kick against Rangers, and he was just like. Uh, <laughs> It, I, I, obviously, the fantasist then you would want that to happen, but I just I can't I can't see it. 
Yeah, Marky, I, I agree with him. I thought it looked good pre-season last year, but those were against, I think it was non-league Austrian sides we were playing last year, so you can't really read too much into it. The next player, Albion Ayeti, we've seen a bit more of him compared to some of the players we previously mentioned. At the start, his first few games, I think he had a better goals-to-games ratio. It was a probably had more goals than minutes. It was it made a really sort of positive impression, but then he got an injury, and then everything just sort of phased off from then. He hadn't looked the same since. He got thrust into the team again last season for the Real Betis away, I think a couple of other games, where he looked like he could perhaps do something. Then injury strikes, just like his first season. Mm. Uh, now he's got a load at Sturmgras, where I've not really heard much. So I think that tells you all need to know about a loan spell. If you're not hearing much about what the player's doing, chances are it's not going very well. Do you think there's a future for a Yeti at Celtic? Unfortunately not. He's one of those players that I kind of, I don't know, he's obviously forever going to be associated with that transfer window where, you know, there was the the five players' faces across the board and it's just like, what a transfer window. And then you reflect, you, you reflect back in it and go, <laughs> was it though? <laughs> uh, I don't think it was. Uh, but there was something about him. I didn't see much of his interviews or anything like that, but I kind of I really, really wanted him to do well. I, I, I could tell that he'd had like this, like a rough time at, um, at West Ham. It's the sort of player you would expect to do well. It's the sort of player we've seen do well. It's the players with a point to prove. Yeah. But he, he just hasn't proved it. 100%. He's, he, he has been given the opportunity. I don't think you could say that he hasn't been given the opportunity. And whether it's injury that's prevented them doing anything that's unfortunate if that is the case but ultimately you know time has moved on and I think Celtic have you know heavily moved on from Albion Ayeti and and uh, signing from what three three years ago <laughs> three years ago and in three years how many appearances has he made for Celtic I think that probably tells its own story and in, in, in terms of his injuries and obviously his form, so I, I, I very much doubt Brendan Rodgers will be. Uh, he'll he'll not be top of any uh, pile for Brendan Rodgers. I think he'll be looking to, or he'll just say to the club, "Get what you can for him." If we, I mean, maybe he's. I mean, did he sign a? Surely did he sign a five-year deal? <laughs> like I, I would hope that we. I, I mean, would hope sure. not. I think it was four. I think it would have been a four-year four. deal. He's got a season left on his deal. I think it'll be a case that we'll just probably pay yeah. it off. A lot of be, be on decent wages as well, you would think, because they had come from the Premier League, he came from West Ham, so he would totally. be on good wages there anyway. But if, I think a lot of the players we signed in that season, there, there was just a stigma that sort of lingered, as I mentioned earlier with the coaching staff. You could even apply that to someone like David Turnbull, who hasn't really put much of a foot wrong, but it's, there seems to be sort of people look down upon him like he hasn't very good compared to a lot of other players, which he is a good player, he just doesn't get the minutes. I feel like it's mm-hmm. a stigma from that season that's sort of stuck around and lingered. I want yeah. to go on to the next player. I think we could probably get this one over pretty quickly. Liam Shaw hasn't impressed our loan spell at Morecambe. Surely that says it all. <laughs> aye, aye. That, those, were, those were a couple of odd transfers, weren't they? The, the, uh, Liam Shaw and uh, Urugidi came yeah, in yeah. at a time when that was we were in flux, weren't we? We were waiting to find out who the manager was going to be, and that they're not a, well. We 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 rightly uh, applaud 
the recruitment under Ange Postecoglou, but did he have any say at all in those signings? I would not a chance. I would, I would say no. In which case, you can then say that the signings that were made from the moment that Postecoglou was there have pretty much by and large been successful. Like they, they start with Kyogo. I think that's where it starts as an answer. Mm-hmm. I think Abada was still a do-do Dahan link. It wasn't a hand-picked mm-hmm. Ange player. As you've seen in the second season, Abada hasn't featured as much because the more Ange-suited players have been the ones in the team. So I think you could mm-hmm. probably attribute that to being a Dahan signing. I think we could probably get a bit more discussion about this player, Mikey Johnson. There's a lot of Vittoria de Guimarães I watched that video, I think it was around February or March time from someone who's an expert at the Portuguese league. And he says Mikey George, he's just sort of been trundled along, just sort of a 6 out of 10, a bit like what he was perhaps about two years ago at Celtic, just a bit part mm. player, not really many minutes, but he has been impressing for the Republic of Ireland national team, albeit against Latvia and Gibraltar, not exactly the most glamorous of opposition, but you think there's any sort of future for Mikey Johnson? I feel like He's 24 years old. A lot of people forget that. He's was it two, three years older than Leo Abada. And then when you compare where they are in their development, so the only thing you could give Mikey Johnson is he's homegrown. So you want to have a bit more hope from him. But I think the writing's been on the wall for a bit of time now with Mikey Johnson. Yeah, I, I think I think with Mikey Johnson, it definitely comes down to what Brendan Rodgers thinks of him because Brendan Rodgers has obviously got massive experience with the player and uh it was Brendan Rogers did Brendan Rogers play him up front at Ibrox? I'm sure he did. That was Neil Lennon. It was, was it Neil Lennon? the the two 0 game before we had the cup final, I think. Oh yeah. Rogers had left and it was Neil Lennon and he just I think did he not play McGregor left back in that game as well? <laughs> just yeah. a, a sort of hark back to what happened at Ibrox in the December the one 0 loss. Yeah. I think the, the Mikey Johnson thing, that'll be a very quick yes or no from, from Brendan Rodgers. It's not a case of whether or not, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it's a case of what he's done in the time that he's been away from the club. I think Brendan Rodgers will make his judgment on that player from his from his previous uh, tenure. I highly doubt that he's going to take a 24-year-old guy back from loan and give him another opportunity it, it, that may well happen, but I, I just don't see it. I think I think we should be looking to the future, and Mikey Johnson just seems like part of Celtic's past now, which is sad to say because obviously a Celtic fan and he's come through the the system and everything else. But if he's he's twenty four, like yeah, that, he's that, he's that, been spoke about as if he's an eighteen year old prodigy, an eighteen year old prospect for the last sort of four years. The, the yeah. years just keep going by. These years of potential development are just so, getting sort of left in the back. But that's our our up. I didn't expect us to be finishing it off talking about Mikey Johnson. Our, our rapid fire loan army segment <laughs> dragged out about twenty five minutes. But <laughs> thanks to everybody for sticking around. Seven hundred of you sticking through for the full hour. Be sure to like and subscribe if you have enjoyed the show. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday. But we have. A few tickets are left for a Gordon Strachan show, a Celtic State of Minds night with Gordon Strachan. I won't be hosting that. Paul will be back from Cancun very soon to host a night with Gordon Strachan. Tickets still available and you can find those down below. But thank you everybody for joining us and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks, James. Sports Social Podcast Network.